Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Are you spending too much time managing your Airbnb guest communications? With Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated messaging service, your guest communications go on autopilot so you can go back to living your life. Get your free Aviva IQ account at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jasper Rivers and I will be your host today. I was supposed to record this episode with my good friend David Jacoby, who is the president and co-founder of Hostfully. But unfortunately, my Wi-Fi turned out not to be strong enough to establish a stable Skype connection in order to record the news episode today. So unfortunately, David is not going to join me. But I will share something that he shared in the Airbnb news group. So there's still going to be a little bit of David in this episode. Um, I am currently in Bangkok. I arrived here a couple days ago from uh, from Stockholm. I'm I'm kind of on my way to the Philippines. I'm going to spend a week on a very beautiful beach in a place called El Nido. And if you've never heard of El Nido, then I strongly encourage you to go into Google and uh, type in El Nido and then uh, click on images. And uh, you know the images that you will see will very likely entice you to uh, book a flight and go over because it's, you know, it's one of the most beautiful places on the, pian- on the planet. I uh, think, uh, you know, white sand beaches, uh, clear crystal tropical waters and beautiful little islands everywhere. And so I'm super excited. I haven't been to the beach for a while, so um, I'm definitely really looking forward to it. Uh, I don't think I will have any internet. It's quite a remote place. Uh, and so you know, I'm doing the, uh, the podcast episodes. I'm recording them here while I'm in Bangkok so that uh, I will still be able to publish two episodes a week like I've done this year. I've made a commitment to publish every week twice. And uh, so far, I haven't missed a single episode. Um, previous years, I've uh, been a little bit uh, less disciplined with the episodes. I, I've had uh, times where you know, it was a little bit more challenging to get the episode done, and then I would just skip it. But uh, I've learned uh, that in order to be successful at anything, I think consistency is one of the most important aspects. And so my, um, my plan is really to never miss a single episode. And so that's why I'm recording by myself today. I'm going to share some news stories about Airbnb that have come out in the last week. And let's start with something that's uh, that's quite disturbing. Um, There has been 
a, a guest who's being charged with assaulting a, a young girl in a town called Minnetonka, where he was staying. Uh, a 20-year-old man from Michigan has been charged with criminal sexual conduct after authorities say he tried to assault a seven-year-old girl in the Airbnb home where he was staying. It's a very disturbing story where the, the guest was found naked in bed with uh, with a seven-year-old girl. The father walked in uh, into the uh, into the bedroom and uh, the, uh, the guest uh, jumped out, uh, grabbed his suit and wallet and, uh, and fled, and then the police... They, uh, they found him uh, shortly after that, and uh, then he was arrested. You know, this is very shocking, and uh, my thoughts go to the parents of the child uh, and the child herself. It must be a very traumatic experience, uh, and it raises a very important question, uh, a question about safety. Now, is it safe to host on Airbnb, specifically when you have children in the house? And... You know, in the Airbnb Facebook group, the Airbnb News Facebook group, uh, <clears throat> we've had a, a pretty active discussion about this. And uh, you know, obviously, there's uh, there's some people who are saying that this is the exact reason why they would never rent out a spare room in a house with children. Now, some people are saying, I don't understand why anyone would rent a spare room in their house with children. There's so many pervs in this world. Um, you know, and 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 some other people voice a similar opinion, uh, but uh, but David actually uh, made a very long comment uh, explaining why he why he does host in a house with children. David has two kids; they're aged five and six, and I've actually had the the pleasure of staying with David and interacting with his children, which was really fun. Um, but I wanted to share. Uh, David's thoughts because uh, you know I think he makes a very good point and so I'm just going to read his comment as it was posted I am a super host for three years in a row I am proud to give the gift to my kids of having them grow up in a home where people from all around the world visit them they are exposed to all sorts of cultures and personalities in a unique way it's a joy whenever I see them interact with adults and in the comfort of their own home they are more likely to break out of their shell. Months and even years later, they will still reference a guest and something they remember about them. In the history of Airbnb, I wonder how many nights there have been where a guest has stayed in a home with kids and something like this has happened. I bet you the odds are significantly less than your kid getting into a car accident. Yet I still drive my kids. I wonder what the odds are of them getting hit by a car. Yet I still let them cross the street. I still go to playgrounds and hope they don't get kidnapped. And I bet you there are far more pervs at playgrounds and far more kidnappings have happened than Airbnb sexual assaults. I still go to beaches and hope they don't drown. I still go to Disneyland and hope they don't get eaten by an alligator. I think you get my point. I'm not going to live in fear over all the small percentage chances of bad things happening. I choose love and trust and sharing instead. I personally feel that sheltering my kids because I'm scared a once-in-a-bazillion event is going to happen in the spirit of safety is, for me, more irresponsible when it comes to raising them. Now, David also mentions that when I visited a while back, I uh, I played some basketball with his son, and every time I tried to 
throw the ball in the net, I apparently I said something like "oppa," which uh, which is something that Dutch people tend to say uh, when they uh, when they do something. It doesn't really mean anything, but it's like kind of a sound that you make when you make a certain action. And uh, and apparently his son is is still uh, saying "oppa" when he throws a ball up in the air. Uh, so that's you know that's pretty funny. But I think uh, I think David makes a really good point. You know, I think that everything that you do in life has an inherent risk. And, you know, if you can't live your life without taking risks. And obviously, you know, everybody's personal choice should be to kind of weigh the risk that you take in doing something versus the, the payoff, the joy that you get from it. Um, but that's, that's really difficult because a lot of these risks, uh, they're very hard to measure or they're impossible to measure almost. I mean, what's the chance that you walk on the street and you get struck by lightning, right? Or what's the chance that you get in your car and you get in a car accident? I mean, these things are simply not, you can't calculate them. And so what most people do is they kind of go by the perception of the risk that certain things have. And that perception is highly influenced by, you know, media stories, you know, what you hear in the news. You know, even if uh, even if this is this is this might be the only time that this has ever happened on Airbnb, uh, somebody uh, sexually assaulting a, a child. Even it's, if it's only happened once, you know, when you read about it and you imagine that happening to your own child, obviously that creates very very strong emotions. And so, you know, I can imagine that people with with children they read the story and 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 you you know you get scared of this happening to your own child. But at the same time, what I really like about the about David's comments is that you know everything you do with your ch- children, everything you allow them to do, there's always a risk. And you know if you try to protect your children from every single risk out there, then you know they're not really gonna be able to enjoy life. Now, I remember that uh, when I was about 13 years old, my parents drove me to the airport and they put me to a plane to England, where I spent a week on a on a vacation camp. And, you know, I mean, we did lots of things that uh, that were kind of dangerous, lots of like extreme sports and, and you know, uh, the uh, you, you never know what, what can happen. I mean, bad things can always happen, but, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that my parents uh, put me on, on, on this plane because I had an amazing time. I met, people, met children from all across Europe, from all these different countries. It really opened my... Uh, sort of my horizon and my perspective on 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 the world knowing that uh you know that there's other countries there's children from other countries other languages other cultures etc and i think that's one of the most uh enjoyable things about life and so you know i i i agree with david i i also prefer to to live uh to live my life not in fear um and you know there's there's always a chance that something really bad will happen but uh but i'd rather take those chances and you know and do the things that uh that i love doing you know and and kind of accepting the fact that uh you know that there could always be an end to life i mean i remember a quote in order to live you have to be willing to die and that really resonated with me because there's just no way to live your life and and keep safe so anyway um uh you know having said that i mean i i completely understand of course that that uh, you know that if you have children, like I don't have children myself, but I can totally imagine that you know when you read a story like this, that you you're probably going to think twice before you allow strangers in your home. Uh, 
Um, but uh, anyway, I thought it was uh, definitely worth sharing uh, David's uh, perspective. Um, let's uh, talk about something a little bit more uplifting. Um, Airbnb has introduced a new feature where now the hosts can uh, see the star ratings that they've been giving to guests in the past. Now, when you review a guest, you get the choice. You get to rate them on, uh, on three different uh, uh, things like cleanliness, observance of house rules, and communication. But those, those star ratings have never been visible. And so, you know, you can't really make a decision based on the, the star ratings if you can't see them. But now Airbnb has changed that but only for hosts who allow instant bookings. I think this is another way for Airbnb to encourage hosts to use instant book because it's really, you know, their their focus. They really want to make the Airbnb platform more user-friendly and by in doing that, uh, you know, they want more people to be using the instant book feature. Um, but, uh, you know, this, it's kind of a little bit strange because if you only allow the instant book hosts to see the star ratings it's it's kind of strange because you know when you use instant book you kind of allow people to book without you know without reviewing them right and so what's the point of you know making these these star ratings visible for hosts who are using instant booked i mean it's more useful for people who don't use instant booked because those are the people that want to actually do their due diligence on the guests and you know and see if uh, if if they're comfortable and they want to be more selective. So it's 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 kind of uh, a, a a strange move by Airbnb. I guess the one thing that you could say is that you know when you use Instant Book, you still you can cancel penalty free three times a year, and so those three times that you do cancel, it could be based on the the ratings. Like let's say for example, somebody somebody books. And then you look at those ratings and you see that uh, that the guest has uh, on average only two stars for observance of house rules. And this might make you feel uncomfortable and, and there could be a reason to cancel the booking. And so I guess there's some there's some logic behind it. But uh, but I would, my suggestion would be why, is, why not make those star ratings available to, to all hosts? Uh, and again, I think Airbnb is doing this because they really want to encourage people to use Instant Book. But uh, I think... You know, I think this is uh, going a little, a little bit uh, too far, um, because you know I think you also have to respect people who are on Airbnb and who want to be able to, you know, choose who gets to stay. They want to be able to feel comfortable and uh, you know and and review the guests before giving them access to their to their home. So we'll see. Hopefully, Airbnb will make this uh, available to all hosts in the future. Hosts, I am having so much fun running my Airbnb and hosting travelers from all around the world. I have to admit though, ensuring my guests receive all the details about their stay on time can be stressful and overwhelming. Recently, I learned about a cool new service called Aviva IQ. Aviva IQ automates, personalizes and delivers my guest communications automatically so I don't have to. Now I can relax knowing my guests are informed and happy. Did I mention a Viva IQ is free? Get your life back at www.avivaiq.com. Moving on to the next topic of today, there's a new platform that has just launched. 
It's called MuzzBnB, and the platform focuses on the Muslim community. Um, there's a you know the topic of discrimination on on Airbnb is something that's been discussed many many times, um, and so as a result, uh, a number of uh, websites have popped up, a number of platforms have popped up that sort of cater either cater to a certain minority group or that um, that specifically uh, put emphasis on the fact that you know that there shouldn't be any discrimination on uh, on these platforms. And so for example, there's inclusive. Um, inclusive addresses issues of dec- discrimination by not revealing uh, the picture of the guests before you accept the booking. So you only get to see the picture after you've accepted the booking and that prevents people from discriminating based on the photo. And so, you know, that's one way of doing it. Um, there's a, there's there's also some platforms that cater to very specific groups. For example, there's Mr. B&B that caters to the gay and lesbian community. And so now there is, there is Must B&B and they obviously they cater uh, to Muslims and you know the Muslim population is uh, is is quite ex- substantial on uh, on on the planet, and uh, they've attracted more than three thousand subscribers in just over a month. So it seems like they're getting uh, they're getting some traction initially. Um, the question is, you know, will these uh, well whether these platforms will will turn out to be successful or not because. You know, it's very challenging to start a an online marketplace. You know, Airbnb. Uh, it took years for Airbnb to to really get some traction. The first couple of years, nobody wanted to invest. They were uh, having a lot of trouble getting uh, people to sign up. And that's the thing with these online marketplaces: is you need a lot of uh, supply and demand on the platform. You need both sides. But uh, you know, if if you for, for the supply side to develop, you kind of need the demand side and vice versa. It's like kind of like a chicken and the egg story, right? It's it's Nobody would use the platforms if, if there's not a lot of hosts on the platform. But then why would you sign up as a host if there's not a lot of travelers that are using the platform? And so I think in order to create a marketplace that becomes really successful, it takes a lot of capital because you, know, you have to market, you have to spend a lot of money on marketing and you know you can see how much money Airbnb has raised. I think they've raised like uh, several billion dollars uh, uh, over in the in the past. And um, you know that money is necessary to to grow the platform and to turn it into a, a sustainable uh, long term business model. And and so the question is really whether these smaller platforms, you know, whether they will be able to get enough traction. Because you know, initially when you launch a platform, there obviously you'll you get some you get a boost from uh, from some you know some news stories. Um, but uh, the question is, like, are you, are you going to be able to actually uh, drive more growth, uh, you know, consistently? And um, and so we'll see. Like, I've I've looked at some of these platforms, like Mr. B and B, for example. They they are the only ones I think of of these smaller platforms that have actually raised a significant amount of money. I was looking at, uh, at crunch base and, um, I've noticed that, uh, you know, Mr. B and B has raised over $10 million in two rounds. So they've done their series a in, in June, 2017. So pretty recently, 
they've got uh, apparently they've got uh, 120,000 hosts, which is quite substantial. So it seems like these guys are, you know, definitely uh, doing doing fairly well. Um, so yeah, it's interesting uh, to see uh, you know where where these kind of platforms are are going. I mean, I uh, I actually looked at another platform that focuses on the Christian Christian minority, and um, I just looked at Los Angeles just to see like how many listings they they have and and if I would book a place on on the platform. And the thing is, as a, as a traveler, um, you know, you want to have as much choice as possible. And so I looked at this site and. There was only like 15 homes available in uh, in the complete Los Angeles area, which is a pretty huge area, and and also there was only one of these listings that actually had some reviews. So for me to you know, to use this platform as a traveler, I would have to have a very strong conviction that I you know that I want to be staying with a host who shares my you know whether it's your religious views or are your sexual preference or or uh you know ethnicity uh you you gotta have a pretty strong conviction uh to to be using one of the smaller platforms versus the larger platform airbnb or one of the other bigger ones just because there's so much more there's so much more supply and and so you have a lot more choice and the other thing is as a as a host i guess you know i guess uh you could be hosting on you know, on on Airbnb, and and then you could add one of the smaller platforms. But again, I mean, there's a the point of hosting on the other platforms is really there's only a point if you actually get some bookings. Um, if you don't get a lot of bookings, then the question is, you know, is it really worth creating a whole listing and and managing multiple listings and making sure your calendars are synced and all that kind of stuff? Is it really worth all that effort if you're if you're not going to get a lot of bookings? You know, I think that's that's really the question, and so I can de- I can definitely see how there be a you know a number of people who just feel very strongly about their about the cause um, that uh, they they be using it. But the question is, you know, is that is there enough? Are there enough people that have that conviction and, uh, and are willing to sort of use these other platforms um, other than the, the main ones? to make it sustainable uh to make it a sustainable business in the in the future to make you know are these platforms going to get enough bookings to you know to make a profit to pay for all the costs the cost of maintaining the platforms the salaries of the employees etc you know you need a customer support you need uh, a lot of designers and and it people and those people typically are pretty expensive so so yeah it'll be interesting to see you know which of these platforms are going to make it so far it seems like mr b and b is uh is is doing the best um i couldn't find any information on the uh, capital being raised by any of the other ones so you know they might uh, have some initial cap- personal capital available but uh, i imagine that will run out at some point and you know and and i think in order to make an online marketplace successful you you have to raise money at some point so We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, on how these platforms will be doing in the future. Um, another news fact that just came out actually: uh, the CMO of Airbnb, uh, Jonathan Mildenhall, has decided to leave Airbnb, and this is quite uh, interesting because it's it's only been a few weeks after uh, Airbnb decided to. Uh, appoint Whedon and Kedany as the brand's new global agency of record, and so 
you know, you uh, it's kind of interesting that he uh, he decides to leave right after disappointment. Um, he is going to uh, be working with Airbnb um, to sort of integrate the integrate that new company with Airbnb. Um, uh, so he'll be working with Airbnb as a consultant uh, to onboard uh, the the marketing company. But uh, he, you know, he is also going to start his own company now. He's uh, he's going to start his own consultancy company, and yeah, I think Jonathan Mettenhall has done a pretty good, pretty good uh, job in um, improving uh, Airbnb as a brand. Uh, he came up with the the belong anywhere campaign. He came up with um, the the different uh, the, the logo and the colors and stuff. Like Airbnb used to be blue, and it it definitely looks a lot better now. So I think he's, you know, he's done a great job, and I'm sure that uh, that uh, the uh, the found co-founders of Airbnb, I'm sure they're a little bit sad to see him leave, and uh, you know they're looking for uh, a new CMO. So if you if you have some experience in uh, in marketing and communication and uh, branding, then uh, you know Airbnb is looking for somebody. So who knows? All right, that was it for this week. I'm running out of time. Um, there's a few more news items that uh, that are worth discussing, but I'll uh, I'll save those for for next week. So thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, next week I'll be back, and then hopefully my internet will be strong enough to be co-hosting this news episode with David Jacoby. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.